I don't know if I love the sound of laughter or the feeling of laughter more. What I do know is, whenever there is laughter in a conversation, I always relax. It lets me know that I found and I'm sharing a common understanding with one other person, if not a group. And that allows such a freedom of discussion and a sharing of ideas that I knew that my conversation with Dave Campbell, because it began with a laugh, and I feel a laugh that never really stopped, we were able to cover a lot of great material from starting out with Marvel poses and Warner Brother characters and moving into some of the heavier ideas like what are the challenges that can be created for a character what's purpose look like what's a mission and more importantly when you're working on a project that is your idea your dream and your vision how is it you can stay motivated and find yourself at the finish line and Dave Campbell's insights into his process and his growth and uh, not only the creation and completion of something like The Calling but how it's now set him up for a whole new series of projects that has him looking forward with anticipation and I'm not sure if the laughter made all of that possible or if it just made it all more enjoyable. But I knew it was a good sign when we started out that way. And I believe that the information that you're going to find between the laughter, between the jokes, is going to be as valuable to you as it was to me. And I'm sure others you share it with will hopefully agree. Without any further ado, this is my conversation with Dave Campbell about the calling, Groovy You, and a lot more. Hey there. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm awesome, Seth. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you. Uh, one, let me just start by saying, you know, thank you for being on today. Thank you for taking the time to... Uh, answer some questions, talk about, you know, not only your project, but, um, everything that led to it. And, um, you know, for the most part, time can be really valuable when you're running your own business Yes, sir. and, uh, when you're doing a project on top of living a life and having a day job and all the other things that come with it. So the fact that you're willing to give your time for a conversation like that, or uh, like this, I really appreciate it. Oh man, I appreciate the opportunity, Seth. I mean, it, you know, it goes it goes both ways, right? I mean, just just like what you said, putting in that time. Uh, this is part of that, right? It all goes into it, you know. Agreed. Uh, being able to share what we do and uh, you know uh, get the word out to other people. So yeah, I just appreciate the opportunity, sir. <laughs> awesome. Uh, just for a little background, uh, Dave and I met at the Afro Comic Con, which when we first started uh, trying to set this up, seemed like it was just a few weeks ago. And I've been traveling and life's been going on. And now we're all the way into December. But uh, I was uh, really compelled after seeing uh, his presentation at his table 
and got a chance to exchange information so we could set up this phone call. And essentially, I've got a lot of your background and bio here, and I've had a chance to look over the, the websites and, and go over things. But really, I'm going to put the, the, the ball in your court right now and simply just ask for you to describe how it was that you got the idea for the calling. Okay. And then how you turned from getting that idea to actually making it happen. Because okay. uh, one of the big things I've been trying to do with this series is the idea that everybody has a great idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can sit around all day with your friends with great ideas, but yeah. making making it happen is something that you did. Yep. And uh, every example I can provide for people about, you know, someone who did that, uh, it's an opportunity. So uh, if you could just get us started. I will. I will. Uh, I just go all the way back. Um and it's funny that you say, you know, uh, what gave, you know, how, the, where the idea came from and how it got started. I've been wanting to do a comic book since I was a kid. I've always drawn and everything. And I think fifth grade was probably the first time that I actually said, okay, I'm going to do a comic book. And, you know, you're a kid, so you just get out some paper, staple it together, start drawing on it and stuff like that. Um, so, that's about as far as I got probably did about, you know, four or five pages and uh, they weren't, weren't even full size. And that was it. Uh, Next time around, I was probably 16 or so. And Marvel comics had put out this uh, call for new artists and there was no age limit or anything. Right. So I'm like, shoot, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to submit my stuff. Now, you know, when I work, I draw a lot from uh, reference material. Right. And so, you know, Jack Kirby and those guys, man, they would draw. They weren't looking at nothing, man. They could draw out of their heads and just crank stuff out. I need to look at stuff. So I would. I, it was hard for me to do poses, poses on my own, right? So I would, I would jack comic book poses. I put my own story together, but like all of the poses were jacked from different panels from various comic books and stuff like that. So anyway, <laughs> really quick, just for a pause there. Uh, was there a, was there a you know a guilty pleasure source material, one where you could always go okay, it, you know I I know that what I'm doing is kind of wrong, but when I do it this way, it just feels right. Um, well, you know, were there any any of those where you just knew you could always go to this one comic and there would be that that pose you needed? <laughs> Spider Man. Okay. <laughs> anything, anything Spider Man? Uh, nice. And that was the character, and it had to be a Marvel character. That was the one I chose to draw. So I did my four pages. Uh, one of my good friends at the time, John Sesser, he used to draw. Uh, he did his four pages, man. We sent them in. And of course, we got the same form letter. It was something like, uh, thanks for letting us see your stuff, but it just wasn't quite up to snuff. Um, <laughs> and I got it somewhere. <laughs> for Marvel at 16. Um, so Again, you know, went to college, all of that stuff. Always had comics in my mind. Always wanted to do something, but Seth never finished it, right? Um, so when I graduated college, I was like, I want to do this thing. It, it was kind of, If you notice, the calling is kind of like a hood story, basically a hood story, right? right. With uh, guys in the hood. And so I had, uh, had an idea for that, man, you know, back in 88, 89, started putting it together. At that time, it was... Uh, Anamorphic, I think that's what it's called. So, so it was characters. It was a dog, a cat, and a rat. 
Um, but they were, you know, upright, upright, like Bugs Bunny and those guys. Um, so, <laughs> right. so that was a state. And I don't even know why I ended up there. Maybe because that, that might have been around the time people were doing the Warner Brothers characters on T-shirts. So they would be like hip hop Warner Brothers characters. It might have been around that time. I don't know. But at any rate. I that sounds a, about right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I, Yeah, I, I can it. remember those. <laughs> you remember those, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Snoopy, or no, I'm Snoopy, sorry, Bugs, right. Bunny, Bugs sorry, Bunny. Bugs Bunny wearing like baggies and baggies, maybe having right, a chain. A and I definitely right. remember Daffy with a chain with like yep. a big D. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly, exactly. Wow, thank you. Way to drop in a little bit of culture history right there for anybody <laughs> listening who remembers that. Just go ahead and nod and smile. Yes, nice. sir. Yes, Sorry for interruption. Keep keep it going. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. It's good. So, uh, so yeah. So I I have written that whole story. Um, started kind of developing the characters, and then uh, didn't push it any further. But I did write that full story, right? Um, right. So fast forward another ten or eleven years, and by this time, you know, the, well, let me just go back. During all that time, I, I grew up as uh, uh, grew up in the church as a Christian, right? So my comic is faith based, faith based for those who don't know. Um, so I, I had grown up in a church and I had gotten away from it, and I had been wanting to get back to it. So I had to go through a process uh, for myself of wanting to do something totally secular uh, to switching to doing something that was uh, that had a, a, a faith. Uh, based influence right so in doing so it just kind of evolved like that you know i was like no i'm just gonna do something for everybody you know and then i just evolved like no i gotta put some guy in so i evolved to that and uh i decided i was gonna do a comic again (laughs) and so this is probably (laughs) this is probably my daughter was probably she's she's 21 now she was probably two probably about two right so i'm gonna do it uh, and again, man, I start writing the story. I, I get about three or four pages written, maybe a little more. And then I started analyzing too much and thereby and, and paralyzing myself. Oh, it's no good. Oh, it has to be this. Oh, it has to be that. And dude, I never finished it. Um, and so about 10 years passed and my wife and I, we had served in this, uh, uh, ministry in a church for uh, counseling couples who wanted to get married, right? So with the the men in that group, we would always get together and we would have a study. So we were in our men's Bible study and we were just talking. That's where we can, you know, rubber meets the road, dudes be dudes and talk about dudes stuff, right? So we were talking about stuff that we wanted to do. And I'm like, mm. man, I have always wanted to do a comic and I, w- I have never been able to do it. And one of the guys in the study, who Jeff Williams, who's a co-author of the book, co-creator, he said, man, I've been wanting to do something like that, too. I write. Dude, I've been knowing him for about five years. We didn't know this about one another. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great, that's a great story. Man, five crazy. years. <laughs> about five years. Did not know this about one another, right? I'm sorry. Right. So, man, this is crazy. So we were like, man, we should do something. Yeah, man, we got to do it. And so, uh, and everybody else in there was like, man, y'all got to do that. You know, y'all got to do that. So, <laughs> now so you're on the spot because everybody's heard it. <laughs> everybody's heard it, right? So we're like, okay, let's do this. So we started embarking on it. And so what we would do, 
Borders, Borders Books and Music was still open. And at Borders, you know, you, you know, uh, they actually have places for you to sit and read their books in the store. Whereas like mm-hmm. Barnes and Noble, you got to go to the cafe area to read. But Borders, <laughs> they would have they would have chairs like all throughout. It was, you know, and so we would meet up there, you know, get a coffee, some cake or something and uh, talk story and uh, figure stuff out, dude. And we started that process in early 2008. Uh, or was it late 2007? No, it was like January, February 2008. And, you know, at that time, you know, I'm not, whenever I've done things, I've always said, oh, I got to get this, I got to get everything I need, and then I can do it, and then I would never finish. This time it was different. It was like, you know what? I'm only going to get what I need to keep me going. For instance, I had an old computer. I was like, man, I'm going to have to scan stuff. I'm going to color in a computer. I'm going to do this and do that. You know what? <clears throat> what do you got to color, David? You haven't drawn anything yet, right? So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, I, I would do that all the time. So it's like, you know what I need? I'm just going to get some paper, some pencils. I'm going to pull my drawing table out of the garage and actually set it up, and I'm going to start drawing. And so my focus was on drawing. Uh, Jeff would give me pages. I would draw. At first, how we started, we were talking about it, and I'd get hyped, and I'd draw some pages, show them to him, and he'd write some stuff and bring it back. And so we we actually did this book kind of how I read that they did The Watchmen this way. Um, dude was drawing a book, and the story wasn't done. And so he would get pages from the writer and just keep drawing, and he did it like that till they finished it. And that's how we did this book, man. And so we started it. Uh, like I said, about 2008, and it took me three and a half years to do the first pass of penciling. And I believe the book's 172 pages. Um, mm. So pencil for three and a half, and then I did a second pass, which I didn't think it was going to take three and a half, but it did. So it took for inks, letters, and colors on every page. It took another three and a half. So the book wasn't finished until like the, it was actually, it was finished in the spring of 15, but you know, you get tired and kind of burnt and I had to take you know, a month or so. And then I started actually doing the design and actually the graphics part of it and putting it together as a book. Um, so it didn't uh, come out until uh, late uh, 2015. Um, so that's kind of how we got there, got through the whole process. So you can see it was, you know, you're talking about a process really over my life to finally get this thing. And I'll tell you, man, one of the things that kept me going, a lot of things kept me going. One of the things that kept me going is my kids were watching this thing, right? So my oldest daughter, who was two when I had the first idea, she was six when I started working on this book. When I finished it, she was a freshman in college. Um, that's how long it took. But they were watching. And so daddy had to finish uh, because they were watching <laughs> and the thing, yeah. you know, and I would come home from work and work on a book. And so the idea was every day I had to do something towards the comic. Um, it might not always be drawn. Most of the time it would be drawn, but after I got a lot of pages done and a lot of content, I'm like, shoot, I got to develop the website. So the first website was just kind of like a coming soon thing with some character introductions and stuff like that. But when I got halfway through the inking, coloring, and lettering, that's when I started putting it up as a webcomic. Because 
one of the things that I didn't think about was, you know, I figured it like this, okay, it's a God story. So my character has to go through, uh, he has to evolve. And so my fear was that, right. So that people who uh, may not want to drop a full price might want to just check out one issue. Uh, so I'm glad I did it like in chapters. Um, but yeah, man, that's a complete that's reverse of how the, uh, you know, reverse. the comics industry, you know, would normally package things. They usually it is. do the issues and they bind it up afterwards in a collected and <laughs> it is. And I don't think that I would do it like that again, but for, for, for this project, I just felt like I've, I've bought comics series from independent creators that I enjoyed that didn't get finished. <laughs> And mm. I was like, man, that hurts, you know, because, they, you know, yeah, man, it can get, it gets tough out there sometimes. So, yeah. Uh, Plus you're invested know. in the story. So as a reader, it's heartbreaking because you're like, right. <laughs> part of me wants you to finish this just because you do, you know, you're doing such a great thing. I, I just need you to get there. Exactly. And, uh... and now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Uh, you know, I can feel that kind of like resolution with myself and the characters. Um, yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, that was it, man. Yeah, I've tried to stay on a schedule. My thing was a page a week because working full time and coming home and drawing at night. You know, in the, in the industry, those guys will do a page a day is like the the norm, right? Unless they're super fast, but generally a page a day, you're good. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I know I can't. I can do a page a day with eight hours easy, but uh, if I ain't got eight hours, you know, there's no way I can do that. So I would break it out that way. And that, that allowed me to be able to track my progress. Uh, it allowed me to be able to attain goals and those kind of things, just little psychological things like that kind of help, help to keep me going. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting though, because, you you sort of put yourself uh, up as an example and sort of made made this project so public between uh, the first agreement with uh, by meeting the writer in a in a study mm -hmm. where you're surrounded by other people so they're all encouraging you yeah and now sort of knowing that this is something you both agreed to start something you both agreed to start and then uh, turning around and doing it in front of your kids so modeling that example day after day, night after night, but then also turning around and holding yourself to that standard of if this will be done when it's a completed project. And then yeah. afterwards, it's going to be modified into these broken down chapters. But you, you really sort of, uh, you know, gave yourself a lot of stakes there. You know, a lot of opportunities where to back down would have been even more difficult than finishing, I think. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man. So it's good. And a lot of a lot of things have come out of it too. Just, just uh, like for instance, uh, I learned about the the festival that I met you at doing at the Black Comic Arts Festival in San Francisco uh, last year. Right, that's how I learned about the festival that I met you at, or the oh, wow. kind that I met you at. Yeah, and last year I had them broken out, but the year before last I didn't, and I had my daughter with me, my, not my older daughter, my younger daughter. And she was the guy next to me. He had five issues. And dude, I tell you, man, he was people were like, oh, yeah, I'll take issue one and uh, issue four. 
Somebody else is coming like, I just need issue two. And I was like, man, this dude is moving Prada. What is going on? This is dope, you know? And single like, issues. Yeah, single issues. And then and I was like, okay, what is the difference? You know, his well, his book was nice, but um, I'm looking at okay, singles, what okay, my if I'm asking a certain price point for my book, they don't know me. Uh because there were kids who would walk by and they would pick up my book and they couldn't put it down, but their parents didn't want to drop 20 bones on it, you know? Right. <laughs> right? So I'm like, <laughs> okay, I got to figure this out. And my daughter said, dad, you should just break your book up. And I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about it. I was like, really? <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I got five chapters. Each chapter can be its own book. <laughs> oh boy, you might have to cut her a percentage for that suggestion <laughs> just because that was so good and now yep. it's you know on record. Um yep. <laughs> but but what what a great insight, you know, and and I love the example that in some way it came down to an economic thing where you're going, All right, um I want to get this story in the hands of as many people as possible and and earn some profit here to to sort of, you know, show what I'm doing with it. But clearly I got, I have to change this up a little bit if I want to make that happen. And the yep. way to do it was through her great advice, which was dad, just, exactly. just, just make it into smaller pieces. Yeah. You can do what he's doing. <laughs> and so yep. at that point you made the decision, how long did it take once you actually like, made the decision to do it and yeah. then to get it broken up? Was it, that it difficult took, or no 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 it took it took literally i would say because i was doing my uh page a week uh it probably took me five weeks six weeks and that's only because i had to do what well, i was doing more than a page a week the whole book was done but that mean i ne meant i needed to create in matter that was a little bit different like a different back cover right and then i needed right. to create five separate front covers which was cool because what I, in the book each chapter has like a, a cover page within, within the book but those are basically establishing shots you know how you watch a movie and they'll show the outside of the building and then they cut to inside the building or outside the police station or the mountains and then they cut inside so those chapter pages are, are basically establishing shots something to get you going I was like man I get to do five different covers and each cover can be unique to that chapter, which is what they do on comic books. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So that gave me a chance to create some new art. Uh, I didn't have to. So in the graphic novel for the cover for that, I was like, okay, I want to sell it to, to everybody, not just people who are in the church uh, and not just people who are outside of the church. <clears throat> so I wanted to go, I was trying to figure out how far can I push it? where people who go to church wouldn't be scared by it, but people who don't go to church would actually pick it up. Right. And so right. I'm like, okay, the, so the cover is, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll show some bangers in the background. I'll show him kind of walking away, but I'll still, you know, you can still see his gun and stuff like that. So, you know, okay, this dude might be into some stuff, but with the covers being separate, I was like, yo, I could just have them stomping the dude out on book one because that's what they would do, you know? Right. You know, on the book two, I could have something else, which is what's on the cover of book two. I can't even... Oh, I think uh, book two, I went with a night version of the graphic novel cover because that signified him moving to a different point in his life. And then book three was the, the Scum Program logo, 
Yeah, which was him training in the law enforcement, and then book four was uh, his his nemesis, his best friend, and now nemesis bounty in a throne because he was running things. And then the last one is him uh, falling off of a, a, the oil tanker, you know, trying to fight in the climax. So, yeah, it was good stuff, man. It was fun. So, yeah, probably about six weeks to go through all of those, creating the end matter, figuring out, you know, like the page counts weren't exact, so it might have been an extra page here or there. And so, you know, when you do books like that, it has to be multiples of four for pages with printing, right? And so, you know, if you see the 20 or 24, not 22, if you got 22, you got to add two other pages in there. And right. so, so it's like, okay, I can use this as ad space for myself, ad space for the printer. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Wow, yeah. I, I really like the way you broke down and, you know, looking at the covers, you can see the way it sets up what you're describing you know, with the first one, it's just, uh, you know, like you said, they're just stomping the dude down. <laughs> but uh, but then you switch to the second one, and clearly you can see his friends are in the background. He's walking away. Yep. There's the uh, illumination of the light. And, uh, you know, these will all be put up when I get a chance to share. But uh, also, you know, as you moved into the other covers, they, they help build out where the story's direction is taking you. You know, after he walks away, then it's joining – and I think before I get too far into the covers, I'm probably going to want to pull back a little bit okay. and just get into a little bit more about, you know, the uh, the idea behind the calling, you know, what the story is, mm -hmm. maybe give a little bit of teasers for anybody listening so they can kind of get an idea of, uh, you know, who we're talking about and yeah. maybe what the stakes are. Yeah. And so uh, just for a little bit of an introduction, I mean, uh, looking at the first part of the calling, uh, it opens with graduation day. Yeah, you know uh, <laughs> what does graduation day mean in this story? Who who are the characters and and kind of just uh, open us up a little bit to to what this intro is talking about and, All right. and what it means? Because I feel like uh, people are going to enjoy the fact that it's got more than one meaning, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It sure does. Uh, okay. So yeah. So the main character is a uh, Silk. His his real name is Paulson Gray. His name is Silk. Nickname, hood name. And uh, he runs with the pit crew, uh, and they consist of Bounty, um, Baby Huey, and Peanut. And these are his old cronies that he grew up with. And they are setting out to make their way in in the drug game, right? So, you know, they work their way up. Uh, Silk's got some connects through his pops, who's locked up, um, but they know him from around the way. And so the <clears throat> the story opens up with them to embark on this big deal that's going to, you know, put them in the game and make them players in the game. And basically he's like, this is graduation day, right? It's time to graduate. We're about to step this thing up. Let's do this. Um, and so he was actually the leader of the crew as they embarked on that adventure. Now, as you could tell, you know, they'll read it, but everything didn't go as planned. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly, uh, you know, that that leads to, um, you know, basically a rapid change to everything that Silk thought was going on. And in the middle of all that, uh, he has a conversation. Yes. So so the story of Silk is and he's Silk. Um, we kind of reversed it. So in the Bible, um he probably wrote half the Bible. Guy's name is Paul, right? And then that's where we get Paul's son from. But Paul's <laughs> original Paul's original name was Saul. 
And so we were like, we need to name it S. So we came up with Silk because it sounds, you know, kind of smooth, silky smooth or whatnot. But it had the mm-hmm. S in it. So Paul was a guy in the Bible who actually persecuted Christians before he became a Christian. So he did a complete 180, right? And so we kind of use that as a model for what we wanted our character to be. There are a couple of things we wanted. We knew we wanted him to to be African-American because neither one of us had, had felt we had seen enough African-American characters in comic books. And so mm-hmm. we wanted to do something that felt like, uh, that looked like us and that kind of felt like where we're from. Like I'm from Ecorse, which is right outside of Detroit. And Jeff was from uh, South Central, so LA. So, you know, similar, similar places where we grew up. Uh, and we just kind of wanted to see that because not that either of us were game bang bangers or sold drugs or anything, but, you know, we knew people and, you know, you have those types of environments and people do have the opportunity to make it out. People do make bad decisions and they are able to turn their lives around. So that's kind of what we wanted to show through this character. Um, you know, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. Uh, but when you realize you make a mistake, uh, what are you going to do to turn it around? And especially when you turn it around, what do you do when things still hit you in the face that are results of that mistake, right? So even though you might do be living in a different way, that doesn't mean that things you did in the past won't still affect you um, because those things have already put, been put into motion. So those are the kind of things that we kind of wanted to do with this character as he grows throughout the story. So you wanted to show a character who's changing, but also, you know, show that change isn't easy. That exactly. there are still consequences to your actions. Exactly. And that, you know, just because you're trying to do the right thing doesn't mean that everyone else is going to say, oh, hey, you know, clean slate, you know, yeah, everything it, it, from the past is forgotten, actually. Right. It just right. means you have a harder road to walk if you're still trying to, you know, keep up this, this path of change and yet at the same time address you know the the consequences of what you did before while not getting off that path right exactly exactly yep sounds like something uh well i (laughs) i do my best but granted i you know i took a look at the source material and you made it really easy you know for that message to come across you know something that i could pick up not only from the material you shared with me in email but by going to the website and uh, also for Parade Comics, which is something we'll be getting into later. Um, It it was something that came across really clear. You know, kind of helps me set what we'll be talking about next, which is without going into too much detail Mm -hmm. and following this path that you described, which is the the story of Saul, um, who from the Bible, yeah, had an experience also that, that changed him from Saul to Paul. Right. How we're about to experience that now when... Uh, again, without giving away all the story, uh, <laughs> and uh, and what that mission's, um, but we're coming up on my time frame where I'm gonna make sure it was looking square, and okay. then after we've got that all checked up, we're gonna we're gonna talk about not only what the uh, change for Silk is in regards to his but his new mission and the the chapters it starts to unfold the story regarding the calling sound yeah. good sounds great we'll 
<laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. All right. Hey, there he is. Hi, David. <laughs> Good to How have you, you back. I uh, just checked out our audio, which is always my favorite thing to confirm. Everything looks great, which means uh, we can pick right up with a mission from God which is yeah. uh, always a good way to start off a new chapter. I mean, you know, it, it worked for the Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers. So yeah. many. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, without again, without giving away all the details, you know, this change has happened to Silk. He's had a conversation. And exactly. when it's over, what happens? What happens is he, he comes out and he wants to do. Uh, what God has asked him to do, which is fulfill what we call the Great Commission, is to go out and take Jesus Christ to the uttermost parts of the world. Um, now, in doing so, that doesn't always look exactly the same way with different people, right? So the message can be the same, but the way uh, people share <clears throat> things about uh, the Lord can be uh, done in different ways. Um, so he just knows that's what he wants to do, and he's setting out to figure out how to do that. <laughs> okay. And uh, yep. this leads to eventually an opportunity to uh, essentially work with the right people. Correct. Or work with the people who say that they're doing the right thing, but in order to do it, he has to essentially go undercover. Yes, he does. And... You know, as you get to, the, I don't want to give everything away, but you know, of course, it, we're just uh, talking about some of the right, things here, so we can things. tease yeah, it really yes, nice for yes, everybody. Exactly. <laughs> so yes, he does end up going undercover, uh, and you know, depending on how one looks at it, uh, you know, with everything that happens, it, you know, he could be considered a snitch uh, in some people's eyes, uh, even though. Uh, I don't think that's what he is. <laughs> you have to read the story to, to see how everything plays out. But yeah, <laughs> I like I like also that you know some people can see it one way and others will see it another exactly, way. Exactly. You're sort of leaving it up to the reader to say, okay, I I I know what I'm reading here, and I'm calling it based on how how I, I understand things, right? How exactly. I how I perceive it, yeah. and you're kind of leaving the choice up to them to say, well, you know, how am I going to take this from here? And uh, I like that challenge. Um, I also just want to address that at one point in the story, there also comes into this challenge of what's my purpose? And I feel that that's a really interesting challenge for any character to be presented with. I mean, Mm -hmm. going back from your roots, you know, Spider-Man, you know, face that same challenge in the Marvel comics and so many other characters that made Stanley and Jack Kirby so well known is that they they put the challenge to the characters of with great power comes great responsibility but also beyond that like what is your purpose you know mm-hmm. what what are you supposed to do with that responsibility how do you how do you manage it what do you how do you manage it? yeah what does it what does it look like right what does it exactly. look like you know what does it especially look like especially in in my everyday life what does that purpose look like right correct um, you know and 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 the thing is we don't always know. We kind of see it as we go. I mean, I guess some people get the big oh moment. Um, but for me, it hasn't necessarily been that way. Well, I guess that's not true. With this book, it was kind of that way. Because that's one of the things that helped drive me was when I started drawing this book, it felt 
so right. I was like, this is what I really need to be doing right now. In fact, why did I wait so long <laughs> to be doing this? You know what I mean? That that was kind of how, so that was a driving factor, you know? Um, but yeah, man, that, that, that is true, you know? And it's, I think it's, it's really just about our everyday walks and stuff. And with him, with that character, it's about him trying to, you know, basically he's caught in the middle, right? He's trying to, to live his new life. Um, but being undercover, he's thrust back into the world of his old life. And so with that comes temptation. It comes with, wait, how far do I go to do this thing that these people who are supposed to be good are asking me to do? And I say supposed to be good because they're not all good. And that was another thing that we wanted to bring into the book. We wanted to bring in good guys. I have air quotes up for those who can't see me who are not good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it it ain't always just the bad guys. It ain't always just the people who we might think are bad because they might fit a certain demographic or look a certain way or whatever. It sometimes it's people who have credentials that say they're everything but bad, but they're bad too. So, you know, that was something that we definitely wanted to bring in as well. Well, I think that's important too, because it, it's showing the uh, the opposite side of the coin of what you were talking about when you said, well, sometimes going out with a message doesn't always look the way we think it's supposed to look. Yep. And in the same hand, it should also be considered that the people that say that they're with us, that they're going to, you know, provide that help might just be helping themselves as much as they, uh, you know, exactly claim that they're going to be helping you. Exactly. Yeah. And if that's the case that you're looking at, well, then, you know, you start to really weigh the question of what's my purpose. And yep. in that challenge is trying to find your path in between all that. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I love is that, you know, you're setting up a lot of challenges that I think the majority of readers can relate to and the majority of people listening can relate to. And that by doing that, you've really created, you know, a story that a lot of people can enter in from whatever their yep. perception or or understanding is when they pick up the book. And that is the goal, right? The goal is to, <laughs> to try to put something in there for everybody, but to try to make it real. And, and you know, that, that was one of the things that Jeff really wanted. You know, he was, he was like, man, I want I want the character to really grow. But I want I want people to really feel them, right? So in doing so, that means he has to encounter and come across and have to deal with things that we deal with. Um, and I kind of get that from every good story I read or every good movie I see, even every good comedian I see. The the content is relatable, um, you know, on a human level. Um, and so that's what we tried to trying to make sure that he dealt with stuff that people deal with, man. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Nice. Um, And I appreciate you kind of really just naturally shifting in there to a little bit about Jeff's role, you know, bringing him in as a writer and, and working with him in a collaborative process. You know, that's one example that you really provided, you know, regarding how he was uh, part of that storytelling and, and some of the elements that he wanted to include. Were there any other sort of uh, things that when Jeff came in that you were able to either uh, either 
take off your plate in regards to how we're going to do this or have someone to bounce it off of, or even yes. some ideas that he brought in where you said, wow, I hadn't even looked at the story that way. And now I am. Yeah. That that's what's cool. You know, all of that, all of that. But I think, <laughs> but I think the, the one, the most important one, I think for me was the one in the middle and I was having somebody to bounce stuff off of. Cause remember, if you go back to our first segment, when I was talking about, how I tried to do this 10 years prior and I couldn't do it. Um, I got paralyzed by analyzing the story, but having somebody to bounce ideas off of, because that's how it would start. Jeff, what do you think of this? Dave, what do you think of that? Oh, what about this? Oh, what about that? Oh, that would be dope. <laughs> yeah, it sure will. You know, that whole relationship was like, yeah. You know, and so just having the other person to go through that with, let you do it. And then, when there was something you were like, man, I don't know, or I don't know. You're like, no, 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 that's cool. And then you could back it up with, it's cool because of this, this, this. And then when you couple it with this, then that will be the outcome or it will be perceived most likely in this light because of this, this, and this. So it's straight or no, nah, that's whack. He can't do that. Uh, yeah, I can't go, you know, because, and that was one of the things we struggled with too. I don't want to give away the story, but I always struggle with this kind of stuff, especially writing the kind of books that I'm working on. And one is the calling that we did. I'm currently working on, and we'll get to this later. I'm sure the groovy you that my daughter is writing, but it's always dealing with, cause that's another faith-based book, faith-based book. It's dealing with how far can the character go? in either direction for people to still relate, right? Um, how far is too far? Um, is is committing double murder too far for a person to come back from and be believable and have people who aren't murderers still like, like them? You know what I mean? So those kind of things and decisions always go into the story uh, and also into the character in terms of, you know, making it still believable, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I think those are all important challenges because at any point you're, when you're dealing with a character, there's going to come moments where, you know, if you do something that's too far out of character or too right. kind of far beyond the, the pale, as they say, then uh, the audience is going to go, okay. Um, either believability or something else just went out the window, out the window. and it's, yeah. it's hard for me to stay with it or, you know, I've even heard it said about some things where it was like, wow, it was great that it was dark and then it went too dark. And yeah. I, I checked out, you know, that that was my stopping point. Yeah. And if you're trying to draw people in, the last thing you want to do is give them a reason to, to check step out. Away. To check out. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it yeah. sounds like, uh, you know, you found your partner. You know, you found uh, your collaborative uh, equal, you know, very similar to what you were talking about with Watchmen. And to go back to that earlier example of Stan and Jack and all the other great, you know, uh, collaborative teams that people, you know, can probably point to either in more recent history or even in the, the current comic book industry. But the fact that you you had that relationship uh, that you were able to use to to develop this far and now it's part of what you guys are working on on future projects too. Yep. Um, great opportunity. I'm going to move really quick into one. If you wanted to go ahead and, and sort of set up, you know, what the next project has been, which is groovy. You yep. and, uh, and a little bit of that. And then I want to get back into some other things that I think sort of, uh, 
you know, give you an edge and also point to some of the, you know, really interesting ways that you guys have approached how to get your message out there as well. Oh, um, so, uh, yeah, my pleasure. I, I want to start out with uh, Groovy You. Um, All right. So how did we move from Groovy or from the calling into Groovy You? Yeah. And so... uh, just for full disclosure, mm-hmm. I have a pit bull and a French bulldog. And sometimes my French bulldog decides he's going to come by. So he's decided he's checking in. If you hear some snarbling or snowing in the background, he's, <laughs> That's he's, just being, he's just being friendly and lovable. And he decided he wants to be part of the show. So uh, you know, <laughs> if it's in there, you know, just full disclosure for anybody listening. Sometimes Bruno just pops in and, and that's just how it goes. Nothing you can do about that. <laughs> hey, Bruno's the man. <laughs> <laughs> hear that, Bruno? You're the man. You're very famous. I don't know if they can all hear you, but I can sure hear you. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So Groovy tell me you. About it. Yeah. So Groovy You is a uh, a project that again, my oldest daughter. She she saw me working on this. She had she had actually it was a published uh, self published author. She wrote her first novel when she was thirteen, um, and so she's she's been writing ever since. She's in the writing program, uh, creative writing program at University of Iowa, and she'll be graduating this year. Um, and so with that, she was like, you know, kind of wanted to do a comic. I was like, okay, what are you thinking of? I know that I wanted to do a book uh, with a female lead. Um, and, you know, she's a girl, and so. She wanted to do a book with a female lead. <laughs> and so we started kicking around ideas. Uh, and, and again, faith-based comic. But we said, okay, what can we do uh, to make it, give it a different twist, right? And again, going back to how far can can we go? So this lead character is named Casey Spade. Uh, and this character was out on her own because she had a, a family tragedy at a, at a young age. Uh, and Basically, her step parent took her in because her her blood parent, uh, her both of her blood parents were were killed. So her her step uh, half brothers and sisters, so uh, parent took her in, and she didn't get treated well by that family because it was her father who took out her parents. So anyway, long and short of it, <clears throat> yeah. So she ends up not being taken in well. She ends up on the streets. And that's where she uh, got taken in by the Order of the Black Hood, which is an ancient band of assassins. And they train prospects, uh, and then they place them starting at the college age in universities uh, around the world and start uh, doing their business in order to create balance or maintain balance. And so Groovy You is the story of Casey Spade, who enters the university, and she is an assassin, but nobody knows it. And so she is balancing her university life uh, against her assassin's life while being introduced to The Way, which is a campus Christian group. Um, and so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I sent you, I think I sent you the preview, right? The first, yes. first four or five pages. Yeah. Um, so I'll leave it at that. And, uh, you know, we're glad to take you on the adventure. Uh, my da- Like I said, my daughter's writing it and uh, she's uh, finishing up book two and I'm, and I'm starting on that now. So uh, the first issue is, is ready to be consumed. Uh, yeah. So there you have it. Groovy you. Pick it up. Yeah. And uh, quite the introduction. I mean, <laughs> a, a, a great example of yet another character that's, you know, 
already had a set path in their life and Mm -hmm. chose it because it was opportunity compared to what they were currently, you know, exposed to. Exactly. You know, and then afterwards, uh, faced with uh, another opportunity, one that that's so contradictory that yes, you got it. It provides them with that. (laughs) Well, you set it up for me nicely, but (laughs) but also, you know, you're dealing with a familiar, you know, uh, concept, which is what happens when you're faced with something that so profoundly affects you that you're willing to potentially do a 180 or change so drastically that you know it's a different person afterwards Um, you've done some things that you know i find to be really intriguing as as ways to introduce the material to others and i just wanted to kind of go over them to whatever degree you want but Mm -hmm. i'm going to start with uh 2013 when you had your first posting september 2nd for the calling one Mm-hmm. And that's when you started to introduce it as the webcomic series, right? Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was one approach that, that I think not everyone considers when it comes to putting out a project. You know, sometimes it's the idea of, you know, a completed uh, portion or so much of it. You know, by doing the, uh, the web, I, I feel like you were almost adding the pressure that you had started to kind of put on yourself through the, 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 uh, the introduction of the Bible study Mm-hmm. And then, you know, being a living example daily for your kids. Uh, what led to that de- decision to put it up online and say, Dude, I'm going to yes. be coming to you every Monday with something every I'm, Monday, because that's what it says there. That's <laughs> what it says. And you know what? I did not miss a Monday, man. And I will tell you, I'll tell you how I did it. Sir. Uh, first, first things first. I talked about evolution and how the characters evolved. I. Mm-hmm evolved jeff was kind of, he was like cool either way i evolved through the project though i when we started this thing i was anti-webcomic no man i ain't doing no webcomic <laughs> it's gotta be print man no man web no man that's right that's for people who can't print i ain't doing no huh. <laughs> four years into the process webcomic so this is what happened uh <laughs> Okay, so remember, <laughs> as I got a lot of content drawn, uh, I did the website. And I want to say I was done. I wasn't all the way done penciling. I was probably three quarters of the way done penciling when I did the original website, which, I, like I said, was just introducing you. Hey, I'm doing this book because I was like, I got to start letting people know. The whole idea was I want to start marketing this so that when it comes, people are ready for it. But it was kind of weird because it's like, okay, but I know I'm not close to having it done, so I'm going to be marketing it for like five years, you know what I mean? So started the website just so I could point some people to it um, and just try to see if I could create a buzz or something like that. Um, And so that was the regular site. Then as I got done penciling and I actually started coloring, at that point, I, I had decided and then and Jeff and I discussed it and we said okay we'll do we'll go ahead and put it out on the web and one of the ways we justified it was like okay you know with with the content and the story being the way it is and it being faith-based if I want to get it out there I should available for anybody right and so we did that now in doing so what helped relieve the pressure Seth was mm-hmm. that I was so far close to being done that I felt like I had 
I had I was so far had enough pages in the hole that I could have not worked for you know a good six or eight months and still could have finished on time doing a page a week. That's how many I had in the hole. I was I was more than halfway when we when we, when we launched on the web with the web comic. Yeah, so I knew that as long as I kept my pace of one page a week, then I would never be in danger of missing a Monday. And what I learned about that was the software, you can stack your submissions. So I would stack them three months at a time and just put them in. Oh, wow. And then the computer would publish them on Mondays. Um, and so, yeah, so that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> so that the, the I like fact, it. Yeah, I had to have some in the, in the can in order to do it. If, if I only had a week in the can or well, not a week because it was every Monday, but a month in the can. And that's also why I only did it every Monday. Because I'm like, okay, that's 52 pages a year. A year, the web comic will run for three years, um, basically, right? right. And so, because uh, some people do it more multiple times a week, and I was like, no, now that would put pressure on me because I'd be running out of pages too soon. So, yeah, that's why we just did it for Mondays. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I like the way that you set yourself up that way. You kind of create a, a recipe for success by deciding, okay you know, I've got the material here, I can start doing this. And as long as I keep doing the background work that I've been doing, I'm always going to load in there to exactly publishing. Um, And looking over your website, I love the fact that I got a chance and this is what I felt was a really uh, another great example of how to get your message out there. I came across the trailer and I was wondering if you could tell oh, me yeah. a little bit about that because yeah. that's a great idea. Um, one of my projects is working with the video game that I was there at the con to, uh, to help represent and we're working on a trailer and oh, it's nice. for a video game, but you're doing one for a comic and I'm not sure how many people have either seen that or thought of it. And I just wanted you to give us a little bit of a background and history. Like how did that happen? How did it get started? Yeah, and, uh, who helped you with it, or what, who was involved as well? Yeah, so uh, uh, no help with it. <laughs> <laughs> so you self-produced your own trailer. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so my background is graphic design, uh, but you know, I I managed an in-house art department at the Los Angeles Air Force Base for ten, twelve years, something like that, and we had an in-house animation department. And so, in wow. that department, we would do. This was early animation, so. Maya wasn't even out yet. And we were using Soft Image. Elias Animator was just coming out. But we would model these satellites and stuff, and then we would we would put them through loops, and then the film and video department would take them and put them in the videos or whatever they needed to do. Um, so with that, uh, I learned how to use uh, Premiere. There was no Final Cut Pro yet, and if it was, we didn't know about it. Um, so, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. So pre- used what you was, had. We used what we had, so we were using Premiere. Uh, and so I learned just how those things work, you know, frames per second and things that you could do and stuff like that. So when it came time to do the trailer, I, like I said, I would I would say every day I had to do t- something towards the comic, like I was saying earlier, but it wasn't always working on the comic. So I could, in my mind, I could justify not sitting at the drawing table, but taking some images that I that I had already drawn and putting them into this trailer in order to create some other type of buzz. And what's interesting about that trailer is I started that trailer and I had not colored the book yet. And so the first part of it, 
most of the images had like a reddish tint. Right. Because I didn't I just want them, I, yeah, I didn't just want them to be black and white. And those aren't even inked images. They're just uh strong pencils that are scanned, you know, deep hard pencils that are scanned in. And then uh, but I've since done it and I actually, you know, changed the music and stuff like that and put in a, uh and put in the color pictures. But yeah, so did it like that. Uh really just to create a buzz buzz. I love movies. Uh I felt like you know, my brother has a, you know, I, I played in a band for years, trying to make a living at music. So my brother still has a studio behind his house. So I was like, I can go over there and I can lay down all of the dialogue because I didn't want to just have narration or anything. I was like, I want to put like some dialogue in it. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> trying to yeah, be like a real yeah. character. So some gunshots and sound effects and stuff. And so, you know, at, I had like a generic sound effects discs. Uh, that you could buy. I don't know if you could still get them, but you could back then because people were just getting into this stuff. The gaming industry wasn't nearly what it is now. Um, and so I got some of that information, uh, laid down, like I said, some of the dialogue. I just put that in chunks so that I could place it in, in Premiere and line it up where I needed it to go uh, and then put music in and and that was it. So, yeah, and that, I think that process only took gathering the stuff took more time than actually putting it together, you know, figuring out what you want to do. I, Cause really I just had to figure I had the pictures. So I really didn't need a storyboard. I just needed the path. Right. Cause the pictures actually were the storyboard. Right. So right. just throw it in there. And uh, with premiere, you can do pans uh, and uh, you know, you can zoom in, zoom out and pan left to right. And so with that, I was able to create, Ooh, man, I'm gonna lose my battery. I got 10%. So on the next break, oh, no. the next break, I'll charge. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, yeah, we're we're right at about two or three minutes before we wrap yeah. this up. So yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you, you know, noticing that you know kind of crucial detail instead just, of me going, hey, uh, hey, quick. hello, where 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 is everybody? Exactly, it just pinged me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, so that was that was a real a real fun thing and. Uh, I just like that kind of stuff. And I'm actually going to do one for uh, Groovy You. That that whole, the intro that I sent for Groovy You to you, that that, mm-hmm. uh, little, that is what I had envisioned for a trailer for that one, too. Just that whole scene. Um, well, like, you know. I can only imagine how that's going to, you know, pan out. Because what I saw, what I really enjoyed about the trailer for... Uh... For the calling is that it, it set up all those elements that that I felt were kind of like these major themes, yeah. you know, that through that trailer, you're able to see the idea of, you know, not only this, uh, this, uh, you know, the, the calling, but the mission and then these highlights of what what the next chapters are going to, you know, reveal. Right. And it, it was such a great setup because I was like, wow, you've got just this little, you know, snippet for each one of the chapters that, that you've you know, shown through this trailer and by doing that you, you've really kind of just given you know like a great trailer for a movie does you've just sort of given them all the pieces and said okay you know now you got to read it all to figure out how they all fit together but look at these and yeah come on <laughs> <laughs> these are all the great reasons to read a good story you can yeah. already see it's going to be a good story <laughs> <laughs> Get what's left to today. do yeah. exactly yeah. Uh, so look, we're yeah, my pleasure, man. Uh, I I I think the trailer was a, a really nice idea, and I think it's a really great example of how using what your skills you've already kind of 
put together already have in your toolbox to use them to your benefit, to help use them to, you know, introduce your craft in a different way or to try and expose it to a wider audience. And you were just like, Hey, I know how to do this. Yeah. I know how to do this and I can do it for this. Why not? Why not? Exactly. (laughs) Especially with the amount of time. Um, right at the, uh, 30 minute, uh, kind of segment here, I'm just going to say, we're going to cut away to check audio, but when we come back, we're going to talk action figures because All right. who doesn't love a great action figure, right? Who doesn't man? <laughs> Good stuff. Dave, thanks man. We're going to be back in just a moment. Okay. Thanks. All right. No problem. Bye. Bye. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. There he is. Hey, Dave, and we're back. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to move right into it. Action figures. Man, you got action figures. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Like, I do. You know, some people are like, man, I got a comic book done. I'm trying to get the next one done. You're like, yeah, so I've got five issues. I've got a graphic novel, a trailer. Oh, yeah. And I got action figures. Because, yeah. you know, I'm just not doing enough. Um, <laughs> now, you made these, I'm guessing? I did. You know. I did. I did. Okay. So, you used to make action figures as a kid. You just, you know, left I, that part. You know, I, I did not. But here, here's the thing. What I did do as a kid, I always built models growing up, model cars and stuff. Uh, okay. And I also played a game with a vibrating football band called the Electric Football. Little football figures that vibrate on a metal board. Uh, yeah, I used to see those in the magazine all the time. Right. We never got one, but my friend always swore he was going to get one one year. So we would always look at it and go, oh, man. Right. So, <laughs> so that game, in fact, I was just at an electric football get-together here in Santa Cruz last weekend. Uh, some guys I used to play in the league when I was in LA um, and they come up periodically to recruit guys from the Bay Area and so we played that game as a kid got away from it for 20 years but through the internet was able to find other people who enjoyed that game and what it basically comes down to is modeling your figures because we don't just have the figures that came with the game now people have custom figures so you take those figures you paint them Sometimes you sculpt them, depending on who you are, do all of these different things to them and make your teams and then you play with them. So that skill set acquired through doing those figures, which are quite small, they're probably a little bigger than HO scale, but I'd say each guy stands about an inch and a half tall. Uh, Converting that to, I think maybe a year or two ago, I did uh, some custom McFarland figures, uh, which there's a whole... Uh, community of people who do that. They just take the McFarland figures and they break them apart and they make custom figures. So, like, if you played a sport in high school, they could do a Seth Singleton figure. And then it, wow. and it, and it will be you, right? Um, so, I've I done a couple of those. And all of this is just for myself. And so, uh, I was like, I gotta figure out how to do my comic book characters. Uh, you know, the guy, uh, Clint, he does uh, Faith Walker. He had, I was doing a show and he had his Faith Walker character in, uh, as an action figure. Another guy, Jason Reeves, had his One Nation character uh, as an action figure. And I was like, man, how did they do it? You know, how did they do it? So I started researching, uh, trying to figure out 
whether or not to, you know, get some 3D modeling software and then model them and then do statues like from a 3D printer or mm -hmm. to actually just do a figure that I could pose. Uh, what was going to be the easiest? You know, I'm not, I'm not really a sculptor. I can sculpt small, simple things, but to do it like a full figure with clothes, a little bit advanced for me. <laughs> um, right. But uh, what really got me fired up about these is the show that I met you at, the Afro Comic Con. If you remember where they had my table, there were sculpted figures behind me. And a bunch of people mentioned those figures when they would come by our table. Oh, look at these figures. And to me, that was like, dude, you got to get your figures. <laughs> I've been wanting to do it, right? <laughs> so it's like, that, there it is right there. You got to get going on these figures. And so that was the next project, right? So came home from there. And I also, when I do a show, I try to, okay, what can I change? What can I do better for the next show differently and whatnot? And so I was like, I had been wanting to do this. I hadn't done it. Now it's time. So, so yeah, man, I, there are a lot of different companies out there where you can buy blank figures um, to, um, and then they also have custom head sculpts. Now I didn't do that for these. You know, you can take a picture of your face and you can send it in and they'll 3D print a head for you. Mm -hmm. um, and so in this case, I just found heads that kind of looked like my characters and then I customized them from there. Like so, I had to I had to do their my character's hair and stuff like that, earrings, uh, you know, skin tone, all of that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, man, there are places out there. Like I found a place in overseas who did the silks, Chuck Taylors, and uh, jeans and stuff. <laughs> That's some, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Some stuff I couldn't find. Like I found, I couldn't find a suitable zipper hoodie. I found a Ken zipper hoodie, but Ken is a little more thin than GI Joe. Right. So I was like, that ain't going to fit. It's going to be too tight. Um, so I found one in the wrong color had to, you know, I just bleached it and redyed it. So little customization type things like that. Um, but I am really excited about it, man. I got my little display cases. It'll be the next show. It'll be uh, one figure on one front end of the table, one figure on the other front end. People like that kind of stuff. They go, oh, look. <laughs> and it brings them over. They really do. <laughs> and and just for anybody who's listening, you know, essentially what we're talking about is one figure for Silk. Yep. And then we've also got a figure for our star of Groovy U. Yep. Remind me her name again. Casey Spade. Yep. Casey Spade. That's right. Thank yeah. you so much. And hey, just another reason to say her name again. That's right. <laughs> Casey Spade. Yes, sir. And I, you know, from what I can you know, just see from the pictures. I mean, it's just, you can tell that they're fully posable. I mean, yeah, people do get excited for that stuff. Yep. And uh, I'm also just going to say, based on that, um, that could potentially be old news. By the time you hear this, you know, it could be that he's got three or four generations. Basically, when you go to see Dave at his table, I mean, I, I'm predicting the possibility that, there could be a uh, app controlled silk, kind of like the BB-8 that I saw when Star Wars launched, and you oh, saw everybody awesome. with that little, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little app control. I mean, like, yes, I, I I don't know how far away we are from that, but seeing what I'm, you know, witnessing right now, I mean, 
it, it can't be that far away. Yeah, <laughs> man. It's it's cool. That's all possibilities of, are available. They are. And and just just on that theme, right? You know, you figure we, we do these uh uh intellectual properties of our characters, right? And so it's really no different than what Marvel and DC does or what other companies do who license their characters or their characters license it, likenesses to put out different products. It's just how how do I do that for myself? I mean, yeah, action figures is just one thing, but there there's gear like so I will tell you, man, I have a whole slew of Groovy U gear design because Groovy U stands for Groving Grovington University, right? Mm-hmm. Gro- Groovy U is the nickname of the school she attends. I've designed the mascot, uh t-shirts with the mascot that are artisans. I've designed a official university seal. Uh, I've designed um, all types of gear, you know, with Groovy U on it or Grovington University on it or the seal on it or the mascot uh, because eventually I want to do some merchandising with that. Um, you know, it's a great idea. Yeah, man. So, you know, it, it's just with that actual story taking place in the university, it's like, you know, I, I have some shirts for, for the calling and stuff like that. And there's stuff that you can do. But when, you know, schools have a plethora of stuff. They just put it on everything. I could do water oh, bottles. Yeah. I could do phone cases. It could just, you know, so if I can think of an item that I think people might might actually want to consume, then that would be what I would do. But it's the sky is the limit with this kind of stuff, man. So it's it's really, really exciting to see, you know, kind of where we can go. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see now, you know, the uh the the groovy U logo or uh some version of it on the back of one of those little things they put on the back of the phones now that people use to take pictures or oh what is it? it's called, that's like a, a good idea that pop little pop thing. Pop thing. <gasps> yeah 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 you ever see that movie uh what was it jerry Maguire, where they where the jerry Maguire character is telling the kid or he's telling the uh the athlete he's like man i won't rest until you are sitting down at a table eating a box of your cereal while watching a commercial about you and right. looking at your new trading Right, card. right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a huge jump. And I was like, oh, this is great. Now Groovy you is there. Uh, I've also done, I did a, a calling sketchbook where I just took a lot of the preliminary sketches, character designs and stuff like that from the calling, put them into a nice little sketchbook that people can buy. Uh, I actually end up giving those away more than not because it's always some little kid who draws and I'm like, here, man, t- take this, you know, because I get excited because I see myself. <laughs> sure. You can't say no to you that can't chance. Say no. Yeah, yeah. So like, hey, yeah, man, but I'm really glad you brought up this sketchbook because I really, uh, I really love seeing that option available when, when I was looking at Parade Comics and I saw the sketchbook. I, I, that was going to be a question I wanted to ask, you know, just uh, what you could say about it and why. And you already answered it for me with that, you know, the delight you can see in a kid who you see yourself in them and yep. just what it would have been like, you know, for you to have someone hand you something like that. I mean, it would have been awesome. It's, it's gold, you know, it's, it's gold. Priceless. It's gold. Uh, <laughs> you can do anything with that sketchbook. You can do anything. It just opens up the world because one, you see somebody who's like you, right? They like right. the things that you like and they're doing the things that you want to do. But then you look at how they're doing it which may be different than what you're doing. It just opens up a whole world of things that you can do, man. It's it's awesome, man. 
I, one of the books that did that for me was uh, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. I bought that book with my own money when I was probably 13 years old. I'm, 50, mm. I'm 52 now. I still have that same copy of that book. And when people ask me, uh, hey, my kid wants to draw comics, what do you recommend? I point them to that book. And the reason why is because that book has everything that you need to know to do great comic book pages. It talks about composition. It talks about storytelling uh, and composition within each frame, but also composition with the page, right? Uh, mm -hmm. mo moving people's eye through the page, the pace of the story, uh, what to show. Because comics are, each panel is a snippet in time. So the, the space between the panels is actually time as well. And that's part of the story too. So panel one and panel two have to go together and the space in between has to bridge panel one and panel two. And people need to know what happened in between without you showing it. Um, right. And so, you know, the, that book goes into all of that stuff, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> such a great example right there of just pacing, you know, the idea yes. of like, you know, how each panel sets up that, you know, either that, slowing or you know speeding up of time to yep. either you know stretch out a moment or to add some intensity to it um, exactly great exactly. example right there for for why that's so useful so yeah you heard him right there folks how to draw <laughs> comics the marvel way all yes, right sir. i recommend <laughs> that man yeah that thing uh yeah it's almost like animation too right so like generally if you want to stretch something out in animation the more the more frames you have the the slower the movement's going to be or smoother it's going to be right and if it's right. a quick if it's a quick movement you want less frames you know one picture to here um and it's kind of like that in comics whenever there's a beat where you really want that awkward conversation thing or time to pass or you know you, you draw that picture over and over and, you know, as people see it the third or fourth time, they get it. Oh, yeah, this is that awkward silence. So this is that that long beat in the conversation where you're like, what the heck? You know? <laughs> yeah. And that feeling like, wow, something should happening. And from moment to moment, nothing's happening. And right. That builds that intensity. It builds that intensity. Uh, yes. When something's going to happen, right. when it does happen, what's going to happen? <laughs> yep. 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 Because yeah. by now, something normal should have happened. Exactly. <laughs> and clearly, this isn't normal anymore. Yeah. Um, and, uh, boy, just for some fun, because I saw, you know, a couple of uh, – you got some great links uh, also on the, the website for the calling. Mm -hmm. uh, if you had to pick between the two that you wanted to talk the most about, or you can just split hairs and talk about both, you also have an interview with the ladies of the roundtable and mm -hmm. an interview with Justin Martin. Yep, yep. Uh, is there one you'd want to talk more about than the other? Or do you want to take a few minutes to talk about each and just sort of say, you know, what that experience was, uh, what stage you were at when you gave that interview, and, and you know, yeah, what those so, changes are? Yeah, so both of those interviews were interesting in that, you know, this is great because you and I were talking, and it's, it's more personable. In those interviews, they were earlier in the process – the interview with Justin was 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 uh, way earlier. I think I had just started coloring. Uh, the second interview was a little bit later, but still was, wasn't uh, completely done. It was still coming out. Um, and so with those, those were you know web interviews where I got to have, uh, have questions and then 
answer them and then uh, send it back. Um, mm. So while they were fun, this is this is even more fun for me just because <laughs> I, I like interaction. I like interacting with with people and stuff like that. Um, and so, but yeah, so that's pretty much how those were. They were great because they're still there, even though people can still click on them uh, and read them. And that's where we were at that time. And uh, so, yeah, I appreciate them a, a lot. Um, but yeah, they were a little bit earlier in the process uh, and done a little bit differently. So, yeah. Understood. Well, that's a great opportunity for anyone who wants to sort of get another snapshot of, of where you were during those stages and, yep. you know, where the process was at those times and also sort of where your thinking was then and, and clearly how things have, have come to be at, as we're having this conversation now. I mean, at the mm -hmm. stage where the, you know, the, uh, the trailer is solid, the, uh, the characters now have their own action figures and, you know, the sky's the limit. I mean, who knows it what is. the next iteration is going to be, but at, at this stage, you know, kind of leaving off with uh, maybe the, the last two questions, you know, mm -hmm. one uh, for anyone who is uh, who's trying to do that that thing where they've got this idea mm -hmm. and they want to show how great it is and they just haven't figured you know haven't really seen that that way of doing it you know clearly mm -hmm. one thing would be the fact that sometimes it takes time mm -hmm. you know but that persistence is probably one of the biggest parts but beyond that is, is there anything you would say to someone that you would have enjoyed hearing yourself or maybe you did hear yourself that kept you pushing forward going, I'm still working at this, you know, yeah. no matter how much time or anything else. Yeah. I would say that, especially what you're passionate about, um, you just have to do it. And that by that, I mean, you know, earlier in the first segment, I mentioned about how I used to have to have everything I needed before I started. So, oh, I'm doing this project. I'm going to need this, 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 and this. I got to get it all in and then I'm going to start. Well, I don't need all of that to start. I only need the bare minimums of what I need to do to start. So, for instance, if, 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 you're, if you're a writer and you want to do a comic book, then you, you can't draw. But just because you can't draw, don't wait for an artist. Write your story and look for an artist while you write your story. Right. You got to get it on paper. You can't just don't let it just. Oh, I got a good idea. No, get that idea on paper. Just write. I was reading an article about a football player who's uh, he's I think he's with uh, Seattle or somebody. I don't know. I don't remember for sure. Wide receiver. He meets Spike Lee and he's like, yeah, Spike, after football, I want to get in the movies and stuff and I want to write. And Spike says, OK, what are you writing now? He was like. Well, I don't really have time because I got practice. You know, this dude's a pro football player. That's all they do. And Spike was like, nah, man, you got an off season. That's not an acceptable answer. If you want to do it, do it now. And I was like, that is so true, right? Dude, just write 10 minutes a night. Write 10 minutes a night in a journal, and at least you're writing something. You're going to have some solid ideas. You'll have stuff that you can build upon, and you grow out of that. But we got to start, and we got to do it. And that's kind of what I did with this book. I started developing characters. And after that, I started drawing pages. It didn't matter whether the story was done. I couldn't wait till the story to be done. I had to draw. I had to start getting stuff on paper. And so, you know, if you're an artist, draw. If you don't have nobody to write, 
write your own story and keep writing it or draw. <laughs> you know, you just got to keep, you got to, you can't, you can't be idle, right? If it's something that you want to do. You know, similar with you with this podcast, you did it. You did it and you have a podcast, right? You figure out, I'm going to use, I'm going to use this app. I'm going to use this software. No doubt you probably tested some that you didn't like or that didn't work for you, right? But you, you put in the work and that, and that's how you get there. So all I can say is, I mean, I like Nikes, so I'm going to steal their slogan. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Just nice. do it. And with yeah. that sort of like, uh, you know, fire, man, uh, the, the only thing I would want to wrap up is what do you see on the horizons for not only, you know, Groovy You and The Calling and Parade Comics? Because you've already hinted at all these things that are going to be available to you with the different logos and things you've already created. Mm-hmm. But, you know, where are you looking five years from now? Is there is there something you see that that's sort of like a next chapter or next goal or milestone where you're thinking this is something I might want to try and achieve. There's, there's this next sort of horizon I'm, I'm, I'm looking towards and yeah. that's my direction right now. Yeah. So I know uh, the horizon would be to uh, immediate horizon is to continue the series with groovy you and grow that get back to some silk stuff. And then I actually have, other things in development, uh, working with a, a, another thing. Um, you do different shows and you learn different things. A lot of my stuff is not necessarily kid-driven. I mean, I, I tell parents, if your kid's 10, I, I wouldn't let my 10-year-old read it. Not that it's bad and, bloods and gore, blood and guts and gore, but it still has themes that I just wouldn't want my 10-year-old to have to be bothered with, right? Right. Uh, but if they're, you know, 12, <laughs> you know, yeah, they can handle it. Um, so for little kids, though, I don't really have anything. And I don't mean necessarily four or five, I mean, third, fourth grade and stuff like that. So I'm in the process of developing uh, some stuff for that age group, uh, another series. And so those would be Groovy You, The Calling, and then that one would be the main three. I think I have another one for a potential superhero series. But all of that said, just continue to build the Parade Comics catalog. But ultimately... I would like to uh, bring on some other people with their other ideas and their, you know, so it doesn't all have to be me or Jeff or my daughter or whoever. I'd like for Parade Comics to get to the point to where we can take uh, submissions from other comic book teams and get their content out to the public as well. So it's really just kind of growing that. So I'll tell you in the immediate future, you can look for more Groovy U. You you maybe can look for some crowdfunding. Uh, I've been researching that. Uh, and that's a big one because uh, it can help me and it can help the audience as well. And so I'm looking into that. So look for that in the future and just uh, continue growth, man. I mean, you know, when I retire, I want to be doing this. <laughs> I like it. That's a great <laughs> retirement plan. That's so, a great retirement yeah, plan. Yeah. And the best place for people to kind of keep up with, uh, you know, what all those changes are, you know, by going to parade, they can yep. parade comics. They can sign up for the mailing list and and stay yes, up. Sir. Or yes, okay. Sir. Yes, sir. And then uh, just just to kind of get it on, uh, you know, documented. We we can do a follow up when those next ones come out, right? I get to be part of that conversation with you when uh, this next chapter is released. Absolutely, and, uh, 
I get to learn about this, you know, this new group that you're going to be reaching out to. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. It's it's <laughs> going to be, it's going to be awesome, man. I, you know, I, I have these, I don't want to say visions. I dream a lot, man. So, you know, I'll be driving in and I'm daydreaming, man. I think that daydreaming time is what you need <laughs> to get this stuff. Yeah. Man. So uh, that's the inspiration. Yes. Yeah, the inspiration, man. So yeah. 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 Wow. Do this um, <laughs> Dave, uh, I've really enjoyed every minute of this conversation, you know, learning about the history, getting a chance to share it with everyone who's listening. And uh, not only, you know, seeing all the different segments that have led to the success that you're currently experiencing, but the ways that you're looking to continue to grow and all the different ways that you've shown people, you know, just through the stories that we talked about today, the ways that they can use what they know to get that message that they want to share out there, you know, and you've done it and you're continuing to do it. And uh, that's an example that I'm hoping to share with each one of these stories. And again, man, thank you for taking the time to, uh, to share yours with anybody who's listening. I, I know it meant a lot to me and I'm pretty sure it means just as much, if not more to them. Thanks Seth, man. Able to spend this time with you. It's a pleasure to be able to share that kind of information and I, I hope it helps somebody. Uh, yeah. I mean, cause that's ultimately why we're here, man. Help others, man. So I just appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Uh, let's catch up soon when we've got that next story to share with everyone. Uh, soon to be coming from Parade Comics. Yes, sir. All right. All right, Dave. All right. <laughs> you have yourself a great night, and thanks again as always. Thanks, you too. Bye now. My pleasure. Bye now. And that was my conversation with Dave Campbell. Again, a lot of laughter, a lot of insight, and for me... Uh, a number of great examples how using the skills we already have can make opportunities and possibilities for the things we care about more likely, more possible, and perhaps be the bridge to create a connection that we didn't know we were capable of. If you get a chance to peek at the liner notes, I'm going to include all of the contact information to reach out to Dave Campbell, his partner Jeff, for anything related to the calling Groovy U and or Parade Comics. Uh, that's going to include social media and uh, other ways to reach out to him. If you have any questions for me regarding this project, please feel free to reach out at sessingleton at gmail.com or you can always leave me a voicemail message on the Anchor app. I'll be coming back to you soon with conversations with my good friend uh, Tara Masan and also another recording with Jack Katz that we were able to get down. But for right now, thank you once again for listening to my conversation with Dave Campbell and for enjoying the laughter because I did and it was a pleasure sharing it with you. Thank you again for listening and supporting. You may not know, but every time you play an episode, I receive financial support, whether it's from the ads that I'm now beginning to record, or if it is through uh, other sponsorship opportunities. If you want to provide support, you can always hit the support button somewhere on your player, usually right there on the uh, main screen where this podcast is showing. 
or by clicking on the support links which will allow you to become a financial donor and you can always reach out to me and anchor if you're interested in having my voice for your audio ad but more than anything it's every play and every listener that gives me the chance to keep coming back and provide you with the stories that I hope you want to hear, and I'm always looking forward to share.